<laughs> so crazy how a little time, right, a little clock can throw things off so much. Speaking of clocks and things, right? But Lord, we come before you and we just say, Lord, we just want to have your way here. We want to learn of your way. We want to know of your goodness. We want to know of your word. We want to better understand the scriptures, Father. We want to be a light unto the earth. So, Father, we just pray for revelation right now. Revelation and understanding. Hearts that are ready to receive of your goodness. Amen. So, yeah, today is, uh, is on a covenant and a dream. It's really looking at the Abrahamic covenant. There's so many different ways that we can uh, go about uh, this this story, um, and many of us have heard a lot of different stories, but when I go before the Lord, I try to ask, and maybe it's a selfish thing, but i like, Lord, I want a fresh thing for me too, you know? Because so, okay, we could just teach right out of Genesis 12 and be like, oh, this is the Abrahamic covenant, and this is what's going on, that's why you should love the Jewish people. It's not the only reason why, but it's a, it's a key part. But I was like, Lord, I, you know, I want something fresh here, I need something really a download from you. I feel like the Lord was just on a concept of, of covenant, but also the concept of dreaming. And so, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's take a look. So we've been studying over time these last couple of weeks on uh, what is a covenant and elements of covenant. We're looking at the covenant that God made with Adam and Eve, the covenant that God made with Noah, and, and how he develops the idea of covenant over time. Uh, but essentially, a covenant is more than just like an agreement between two people. That's why there's a power in the covenant of marriage. It's not like you have an agreement of marriage. You have a covenant of marriage, right? It's one of the reasons why divorce is so out of control in this country is because people have lost the understanding that it's not just a thing you do and it's not just an agreement. It is a covenant, right? And so a covenant is, uh, kind of to make it uh, a little simplistic, it's a, it's a sacred agreement, a legal binding agreement between two parties. Uh, and obviously, uh, within the confines of Scripture, it's an agreement, a sacred agreement between God and man. And so, okay, that's, that's what we've been doing with the covenant. Uh, but then I felt like the Lord was just saying, well, what about dreams? Because we're going to see that Abraham's covenant involves a dream. And so, dreams... What is a dream? Uh, and so today is, is going to be in part the Abrahamic covenant, but it's also about dreams. And, I, and by the end of today, I'm hoping that you'll be able to answer two things, two questions. What is a dream? And what, what is its significance to the covenant? To the covenant that God has made with Abraham, but also to the covenant that God has made with you. So dreams and then what it's, its significance. So let's uh, begin with uh, an understanding of the covenant for this week. The covenant uh, that God makes with Abraham, or Abram at the time. And that is found in Genesis chapter 12. It says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so this is the covenant that God is going to make with Abraham. 
In it, we see that there is a threefold promise. One, there is a, an allotment of land, right? The land of Israel, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. There is an, also a part of the covenant that the Lord is going to bless those nations and those peoples that bless the seed of Abraham. And he will curse those nations and curse those people that curse the seed of Abraham. And then a very powerful thing here, of course, is that, and from you, Abraham, there will be a people as numerous as the stars, and from that people, you will bless the nations of the world. Which really culminates in the ultimate seed of Abraham being Jesus, right? And so that's, that's the outlining of the covenant. Uh, but what's going to happen here is now Jesus is going, oh Jesus, now, now God is going to have to really seal the covenant. So covenants are not just promises. They, they, there has to be a sealing. There has to be a writing on the document, right, of ink. But the Lord chooses not to use ink. He always chooses to use blood. And so the story of Abram develops, right? In chapter 12, he has this, you know, get out from your country, go into a land that I'm going to show you. He makes this, co- this, 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 this promise. Then, then Abram is going to spend some time in Egypt where he gets into a little bit of trouble. Then chapter 13 of Genesis, he finally goes into the land of Canaan. Chapter 14, his brother Lot gets into a, a bit of trouble. And then chapter 15, it's like God is ready to seal this covenant with Abraham. And so I'm going to read a little bit out of that, but I wanted to give a little background so you guys have an understanding to the biblical narrative. So now in Genesis 15, where we're really going to be speaking out of today is this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is this guy, Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abraham, or Abram, said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So, essentially what Abram is saying is, look, God, you made a promise that from my being there's going to be a multitude of people. And this multitude of people is going to be a blessing unto the earth, but I haven't seen that. I don't have a son yet. And so essentially, like, what you're saying is the covenant, the promise is going to be made with one of my relatives, right? This guy, Eliezer, who lives all the way up in Damascus in Syria. God's like, no. The covenant is going to come from your body, Abraham. Well, that's great. I haven't quite seen that yet, right? That, that's the conversation that's going on. Verse 5. And then he brought him, Abram, outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars. If you're able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him as righteousness. We always talk about that verse, right? And the faith of Abraham accounted unto him as righteousness. But the faith that he has right there is to believe in the covenant of God that from his being there shall be the inheritance of the covenant. From him. Because that's the promise that God made with him. That is his righteousness, is that he believes in the covenant promises of God. 
Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So God said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he, Abram, brought all these to him and cut them in two down in the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. And for the sake of time, let's drop down to verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So let's, uh, let's, talk, just, let's talk about this a little bit. Because this, this is the sealing of the deal, man, of the sons of Abraham. So let me just like, kind of break it down to a story, right? So we have God that shows up to Abram and says, I am. Do not be afraid. Because it's like God's showing up. Like God's in the midst here of Abram. I'm here. Do not fear. Don't be afraid. Abraham has a response. Hey, God, you haven't fulfilled your covenant with me yet. God declares a promise. Oh, I'm going to do it. And then Abram believes. Why does he now suddenly believe? Because God speaks. So he believes. Then God says, all right, it's good that you believe. Now let's seal the covenant. Go out and get some of these animals. So Abram goes out and gets some of the animals. He butchers the animals. Then he sleeps. It says in verse 12, Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. A deep sleep. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him as he dreams. And so Abram has a dream now when he's sleeping. He sees God when he's awake, but then when he's sleeping, he has a dream and a state of rest. And what does he see in that moment? He sees something that looks like an oven of fire and torches that passes through the offering. So, okay, you know, we take a look at this and we say, all right, what, what do we make of this, Dave? Well, what do we make of this when it, when it comes down to covenant promises of God? God is God. He is going to make his promises happen. That's what we learn. What do we also learn? Abraham has a relationship with God to such an extent that he is allowed to question God. Like how many of us go through life saying, I can't question God. It's a very Greek-Roman mindset. A very, like, Middle Eastern one is like, you can argue, in a sense, with God. Like, 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 you ever read the Psalms? Like, David is, like, emotional. Like, how can this happen? Lord, why have you left me? Like, you can be real with God. God, you spoke to me promises when I was a little boy. And they haven't happened yet. Like, what's the deal? 
You are allowed to do The father of your faith, Abraham, begins a covenant promise with God by getting into a quasi-argument with him, a questioning. But notice the questioning does not devoid him of his belief. His questioning of God actually enlarges his belief, so much so that God, and then Paul the Apostle later says that it's this questioning that shows that he had faith. How many of us go through life saying you can't question God? Yes, you can. It's actually one of the most biblical things you can do, is to question God. The father of our faith, Abraham, questioned God. You said this to me, God. You said this to me, Daddy. And it hasn't happened yet. What's the deal? And then God speaks. He wants that kind of relationship with you. It's a relationship. It's intimacy. It's between two beings. Dare I say, it's not even just blind followership. It's like, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know your heartbeat. And what else do we have here? Is that there's a partnership, isn't there? God says to Abraham, go get the animals. Abraham goes out and gets the animals. He does his part. He gets the animals and he slaughters them and he gets things ready. But then the powerful thing here, I thought the Lord was just downloading to me, is that now, after all of that work, Abraham dreams. Abraham dreams. Has God spoken a promise to you? Not like some like big one, like broad one that you find in the New Testament. I mean to you. I hope so, man. Because if he hasn't, oh, how sad it is. Has God spoken a promise to you? You personally, a personal covenant promise with you. And has it not happened? Maybe it hasn't happened. So go rest. Go dream. It's in the place of rest and it's in the place of dreaming that God is going to fulfill the covenant. When Abraham rests, God does the work. He seals the covenant. If you notice in the story, I mean, we read over it kind of quickly, but Abraham gets the animals together. He does everything that he can do. He does his part. He falls asleep. And while he's sleeping, God has the torches pass through the animals, signifying that Abraham has actually not done anything for the covenant. I mean, he prepared the, the animals, but like in a covenant promise, like one party does one thing, the other party does the other. And really, in, in, in covenant promises, both sides are, are, are supposed to be doing something right there. But God is the one who supernaturally passes the torches through the animals, through the sacrifice, while Abram is just sitting there sleeping and dreaming about all this. Why is that? Because God in this context, and God in the context of covenant with you, he is making a covenant with Abram, and to you, he's really making a covenant to himself. He's making a promise to himself that he's going to fulfill his word. 
Dare I say it? He doesn't need you to be the one that fulfills it. Does it not say in the scriptures, right? My, my word will not come back void. And so the power of this is, is that God may have made a promise with you. He's may, he may have made a covenant with you in addition to that which is in scriptures. And we may not see it. You are allowed to question God. Because it's actually going to stir your faith up. What do I mean by question God? Like, come to him. Be real. How come this has not happened, Lord? But then there's a key. You have to rest. Abram rests. And then God works. Resting is not fretting. Resting is not being concerned. Resting is just knowing that your daddy has you completely safe. I mean, to sleep is the most vulnerable place a human being can be. You are unaware. You have no idea what's around you. That's why, that's why the psalmist says, as I make my, my bed, right? In darkness and in shul, you are there, right? There, like, it is the most vulnerable place a human being can be. And what is happening there? You are resting. You can't do anything. You can't make it happen. You're unaware. And that's when God is going to work. And so, okay, what the heck is a dream anyway? Because Abram has a dream. So what is a dream? Psychologists say that a, a dream that you actually have, right, is that which is deep inside of you that needs to get out. Right? That's the kind of the basis of, of psychoanalysis, is that when you have dreams... It's your subconscious processing things that can't get out in your conscious or conscience. So it, it needs to manifest itself when you are not controlling your mind. That's what the psychologists say is the purpose of dreaming. All right. But practically speaking, it's, it's, what is this? A, a dream is, is a deep desire inside of you. Like when you have dreams for something, because visions of the, by the Lord is, is something slightly different, but like a dream. Like when you're a little kid, you have a dream. Like what do you want to be when you grow up? It's a dream. Where do you want to live when you grow up? It's a dream. Do you still dream? Do you still dream about life? Do you still dream about what can happen in your life? Do you still have a dream like when I grow up? Well, you're 50, 60 years old. No, but when I grow up, I'm going to have this dream. Do you still have that dream in life? I mean, people at work make fun of me all the time because every other week I have a new dream. And they're all new dreams, but I still have the old dreams. They're all there. And people are like, well, well, Dave, this is not going to happen. And I'm like, well, it may happen, but even if it doesn't happen, it's okay. Because the purpose of the dream is to keep me alive, man. If you don't have a dream for your life, it is one of the saddest things a human being can be in. And there's so many people who have lost the wonder and amazement of dreaming with God. 
It is a sad matter. When a man does not dream anymore. And it is a, even actually a devastating matter. When a man has forgotten how to dream. But God begins the covenant with Abraham with a dream. A literal dream that he has. It's like so beautiful. So what's the, what's the purpose? What's, what's the, the power of this? It's this. Like the depths of who you are, right? The dream is the manifestation of your subconscious, your spirit, the depths of who you are. It's like, it's your deeply held desire. And if someone comes up to you and says, Daddy, Mommy, Brother, Sister, Johnny, what's your dream? And you can't say what your dream is. It's like, what's going on inside, man? It's kind of like, you ever seen the movie Hook? You know, Robin Williams, he, like, he grows up and he's got to go back to the place of never... Never land to learn what it's like to dream again. It's like you kind of you gotta go, you gotta go become Peter Pan again. If you don't dream, or more importantly, if you do not dream with God, you have surrendered your soul to the common. You have stopped the wonder and amazement of God in your life. God's covenant with Abraham begins with a dream. We need to dream with God. If you're not dreaming with God, there could very well be a place in your life where you've stopped believing about the amazement and the wonder and the beauty and the awesomeness of God in your life. If you've no longer dream and no longer believe in the dream, it could be argued respectfully that you have surrendered your being to those things which are too common. And that's a problem. Let's turn to Psalm 37. Try to gain a little understanding into this. I didn't think this message was going to be this intense, but it's coming out that way. Psalm 37. Do not fret. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His own way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. So here we go. We have dreams. We have desires, and we have to differentiate between yours, 
the ones that you have, and the ones that you've gotten from God. I have had dreams, desires, that have not come true and don't seem to be coming true. But if I am a wise person, I need to go to the Lord and I have to say, well, are those my dreams for me? Or are they your dreams for me? Come on, it says, trust in the Lord, dwell in the land, commit your way to him. And then he's going to give you the desires of your heart. It's like, I can come up with some pretty cool desires. I don't mind being a millionaire. Retired, semi-retired. Own a ranch, a yacht. A little vineyard in Israel. I mean, these days I like. I just trust you. You're going to give it to me. Of course not. How ridiculous is that? You sell a lot of books saying that. I sell you a lot of books. Just trust in the Lord. He's going to give you all your desires. And then I can finally retire and get the vineyard. No, 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 no. Come on. If you trust in the Lord, if you dwell in the land of his righteousness, if you delight yourself in him, if you commit your way to him, what happens to your desire? Your desire gets changed into his desire. Too many of us are looking to the Lord to get our own earthly desires met. Eh, wrong religion. It's the wrong religion, sorry. Go, go pick another one. No, no, no. When you commit to the Lord, when you trust him, when you delight in the beauty of his face and the love of his blood, I am telling you from first-hand experience your desire of your heart changes. If you would have talked to me 20 years ago and said, Dave, in 20 years, you're going to be pastoring a church where there's a roof leak always. You're going to marry a girl two miles, three miles from where you grew up. You're going to be working in the high school that you graduated from. And you're going to be living this little suburban experience. I would have laughed in your face hysterically. No, that's not my desire. It's not what I want. It's not what I'm going to do. Get the heck out of here. I'm just being real with you. Dude, I was going like, to backpack the world. I was going to live on some like organic farm in northern Israel. I Nothing's going to hold me back. I'm just going to do my thing. That's a very immature way of looking at dreams and promises and covenants with God. When you commit your way to Him, and you desire Him, and you trust in Him, and you dwell in the land of righteousness with Him, your heart changes and gets molded into the heart that He wants for you. And then your heart that he wants for you, becomes the heart that you want for you. And now if you say, hey, if you can go back 20 years and I can make a little trade with you, I'd be like, not in a gazillion years. Because my heart has changed. 20 years ago, I'd be like, let's do it. 
But my heart has been molded and changed into the heart that God has for me. And so this is how it works. And so how do you, how do you partner with the dream of God? How do you get your heart to, to be submitted to all of this? It's a very, it's a very beautiful thing. And, and, and this is the, the power of prayer. To pray is to dream in league with God. To envision his holy visions. What is a prayer? You're praying into things that may not exist. You're praying into things that have not happened yet. But when you pray with the heartbeat of God, Rabbi Abraham Heschel says, is that you are actually joining the visions that God has on your life. That's the power of prayer. The power of prayer is to commune with the dream of God that he has for you. Or for someone else. Amen. Intercession. So this is the power of it. Can we have the worship team come on down? A, a popular verse. Tell me if I have to switch over to the mic with, with them, but... <clears throat> Proverbs 29, 18, right? People quote this all the time, right? Where there is no vision, the people perish. Actually, Josh, I'm just going to jump to it. Because I don't think this is, this is going to be able to be loud enough. All right? Thanks. <clears throat> Jesus, Jesus. Come on, Abraham. The dude that makes a covenant promise with God through a dream. So powerful. So, so awesome. It's, it's this notion of like, man, I'm dreaming again. I just want to really like reiterate this point. God has a dream for your life. He wants to dream with you. He wants to partner in it with you. He wants to bring forth his covenant promises with you in a state of rest, in a place of dreaming. Where there is no vision, the people perish. People talk about it all this time, and, and I don't want to downplay some good logical business practices, right? If you want to take business practices and bring it into the church, it's like without a goal, without a vision, people are going to throw off restraint, or people are going to perish, meaning they're not going to have a guidepost of where to go. And some of you guys have even talked about that. Like, you know, Dave, we've got to really make the vision very clear, uh, to the congregation so they know where we're going, what we're doing. And I'm not downplaying it. It's a very good, wise thing. It's just, that's actually not what this proverb is talking about. The Hebrew word vision here is chazon. Every single time chazon is mentioned in the Bible, it is talking about not a business plan. It is talking about a vision of prophetic revelation. Chazon is the prophecy. Where there is no prophecy, where there is no divine revelation, the people perish. I ask you this, when was the last time you had a chazon with the Almighty God? When was the last time you got together with Him and you rested and you had a dream with Him? 
if you don't dream with him, you will perish. Your spirit, your soul will be disquieted within you. You need to get a hazon. You need to get a revelation of Holy Ghost dreaming again with God. You want some spice in your step? You want some fire in your loins? You want eloquence of tongue when sharing the gospel with people? You gotta get a vision, a revelation, a prophecy with God. And we have people who have gone through their entire life serving God without getting a revelation of God. I don't mean John 3.16 revelation. I mean a prophetic word for you. A dream for you. Your purpose in the kingdom of God. And what is a vision? What is a hazon? It's a dream that God impregnates inside of you. Inside of your spirit. It's a dream. It's a vision that will come forth. So Abraham. Abraham forgets the dream. You have Abraham, you have Ishmael, you have Hagar, if you're familiar with the stories. Abraham is not seeing the promise, the covenant promise coming forth. He's not seeing it. And so Abraham goes to Hagar and they, they, they have Ishmael. And so if we want to make this like spiritually for us, if you take a look at the, uh, the word Hagar, the, the name, what it means is it means the strange thing. Hagar is the woman from Egypt, the place of bondage, the place of sin. And so what is this in like real life for us? It's, it's this notion of like when, when we have these dreams that we join we join our, our, our dream with, with earthly things. We, we join our dream with earthly abilities. It's really that Egyptian place. It's that bondage place. It's that sin place. And so, you know, the thing here is in the covenant promise, everyone has a tendency to find their Hagar. Not the best way. Abraham was to have a son with Sarah, not Hagar. But he chose to do it in his own strength, in his own ability. So it raises a question, what is the Hagar in your life? Do you have any? And I, I just suggest to you that, that a Hagar is, 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 really, is really the earthly dream. It's not the heavenly dream. Hagar is, is not partnering with God in the heavenly vision. So then, of course, you guys know the story, right? You have Isaac. And raises a question of, all right, what do you have a hag on your life? The choosing of the earthly thing. 
And then, do you have an Isaac in your life? What is meant by this is, Isaac is the heavenly promise that, that God is going to give to Abraham and Sarah. But Yitzhak in Hebrew is, is, is laughter. Laughter. Like, when, 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 when they're told they're going to have a kid, Abraham and Sarah laugh. Like, yeah, right. This is absurd. This is ridiculous. And so this, is, this, is, this could be the Isaac in your life. God's dreams for you should provoke laughter. They should be absurd. If they're not absurd, then they're not heavenly dreams. If they're not absurd, then they're just regular common dreams that you can do. The absurdity, the audacity of things is the dream that God has for you. In finishing up, We know that Abraham has to lay Isaac down. Even the absurd thing he has to lay down. Even the promise that God has given him, he has to lay down. I feel like the Lord is just saying it's, 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 it's the concept of Abraham has to lay the, the, the Isaac down. It's a questioning of who owns the dream. So even the dream that you have, that Abraham gets, the promise that he gets, he, he has to lay it down because Isaac is now Abraham's. And God is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Who owns the dream? Who owns the covenant, Abraham? You or me? So you got to lay Isaac down. And by laying down that dream, the Lord provides the sacrifice. He provides the rest. He provides the, the ram and the thorns that is the foreshadowing the coming of Jesus. So why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? Father, we just come before you and we just ask for those of us who, who don't dream with you. Those of us who have forgotten how to dream. Lord, that you just, you show us your amazement again. You show us your wonder again. Father, I pray that people can be released to actually engage in questioning, engage in conversation with you. Come on, let's be real. There are things that may not have happened in your life yet. Father, we pray that the questioning will actually stir our faith unto righteousness. But Lord, I just pray you, 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 you download a heavenly vision to us. A dream for us as an individual. A promise, our role, our place in the kingdom of God. 
so that we do not bring things down to a, a common thing where all I do, all I do is work nine to five. Let that not be our dream, Lord. Let there be a higher dream, a deeper dream, Amen. a heavenly dream. Not just for the church at large, not just for this church, but for I as the individual. Breathe dream, breathe vision, and desire for more absurd things in the kingdom of God. Amen? Have a wonderful week. There's some things that you, you need prayer for. Just come on down. We'll, we'll have some of us pray for you. Maybe we'll see you downstairs for re refreshments. Have a wonderful week.